Welcome to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. We are here to help leaders learn how to do more with less. For more information or engage with us, please visit worshipcatalyst.com. We're so glad you're here today. Let's learn together. Hey, welcome again to the Worship Leader Essentials Podcast brought to you by Worship Catalyst. I'm Austin Ryan, uh, always your host, and I'm excited today because we get an opportunity to talk to a true professional, right? Isn't that you, Matt? The true professional? <laughs> I don't know if you can say that. <laughs> Matt McCoy is the director and the founder of Loop Community. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, either you've used Loop Community or you've heard of Loop Community. And so I'm excited to get to hear kind of the story of that today and also just what, what it offers. But also, Matt is a worship leader, man. He comes from he comes from pastoring people. That's his background. That's his heart. And so um, I'm excited uh, for us to be to talk about a lot of things here for the next little bit. So um, let's just dive right in, Matt. Uh, no more preludes. Let's just do this, man. So why don't you let us know who you are, uh, what you do, where you're from, and all that, and then we'll get into this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Austin. So my name is Matt McCoy. I live in Chicago with my wife, Mary, and we have two kids, Molly, who's three, and then a six-month-old named Maverick. And uh, Maverick, dude, that's a great name. Maverick. Maverick, man. It's a Top Gun name. I know. You know what's funny is I actually had never seen Top Gun <laughs> until okay. after he was born and everybody was saying, oh, Maverick, Top Gun. And so I watched that movie and I'm glad we named him that name. Yes. But you know what? Fun tip. My wife actually named him after Maverick City Worship. Oh, okay. There you go. Because she was, uh, she was uh, listening to Maverick City a lot during the pregnancy and I gave her full reign on naming rights on this one. So... Maverick it is, and we're sticking with the M's. So yeah, we live in Chicago, and uh, I'm a worship leader. I am a pastor's kid. I grew up my whole life just as a, a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor of vineyard churches. Yeah. Um, grew up in San Diego, California. And, you know, I just grew up church planning. My dad, That's you know, good, we, we planted a church when I was a teenager. We planted a church in Indiana, a small town in Indiana. And so I know the experience of just setting up in a school auditorium, you know, setting up all the chairs, yeah, unloading great. the trailer at five yep. in the morning. Right. Getting, you know, back in those days, we're running overhead transparencies. I'm sounding really old now, but. <laughs> oh, I've done that. That's a good word. I miss those, man. Those are so great. You had to have that I one person those. up there. Let's go volunteer position for the team. I know. It was fun. I used to do transitions with them, like by lifting the transparency up closer and it would kind of blur out. Oh, <laughs> super cool. You get Look at you being it. creative with the transparencies. Yeah, man. But, you know, just to say that I grew up in the church my whole life, you know, and I was around worship music constantly. My parents both played instruments and led worship. And so worship music has been ingrained in me from a really young age. And I've just been very passionate about it. And I've been leading worship myself since I was 12 years old yeah. in a church youth group. Kind of a common story amongst many worship leaders. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I still lead worship today. I'm not on staff at a church anymore, but now I'm just helping out. I'm actually currently helping out a church plant in our town. Um, got 100 people coming, meeting in a community center. Same love kind it. of thing, setting up every morning. And I just love it. I really um, love being involved in the local church and uh, just kind of serving in that way. So I'm glad that I still get to do that. Oh, that's so awesome, man. You know, church planting is kind of the background of worship catalyst for sure. I mean, we've, we've, uh, that's the world we live in, uh, more than half yep. the time is, uh, helping, helping new churches get started with the worship. And so, um, kind of a lot of that makes sense then on loop community. Uh, you know, we, uh, one thing we see on this podcast all the time is do we want to help you do more with less? Cause we realize that, uh, 
you know, it's not like everybody has a limit, limitless budget or limit, Mm -hmm. limitless team. Right. And so, um, uh, I can see where this conversation really, uh, could be extremely helpful. And so how did that happen, man? Like, were you, did you have a vision from God one night when you're sleeping loops, tracks, (laughs) it it got to start speaking to you. How'd this come about? It's so funny. Yeah. I was, so I was on staff actually at a not a church plant. It was a church called Willow Creek in Chicago. Massive yeah. church. <laughs> not right? exactly a plant, right? So not at all a church plant. You know, we had endless budget, tons of volunteers. But anyways, I was using tracks at that church and I was up late night, late one night building a track for a song, Mighty to Save. Okay. And I thought, this is crazy. Someone else in the world has already built a track for this song. Yeah. And there should be a website where you could go and just search for Mighty to Save and download it. And then maybe also a site where you could upload tracks that you've made and share them with other worship leaders. And so that night I started loopcommunity.com as a website where worship leaders could share tracks with each other. And, but my background as a church planning kid, (laughs) pastor's kid, I knew, have always known that tracks are such a great resource for small churches who are maybe missing musicians can't tell you the number of times, even at the church I'm leading worship at now, like we don't have a bass player. We don't oh, yeah. have a drummer. Right. We don't even have <laughs> a keyboard player. Yeah. And tracks can really help fill out the sound for a small church. But I also knew that small churches don't have massive budgets. Yeah. You know, there was a time, I remember when my dad was using his own money as the yeah. pastor mm-hmm. to buy like a worship songbook. Yeah. And worship CDs. And so I know that there's a lot of churches out there and that's the majority of churches. I think the majority of churches are actually in that smaller category than they are the large category. 90% of churches in America are less than 200 people and the median is 65. Yeah. It's so interesting because yeah. you look online and you would think every church is massive, Yep, but most are not. And so they really could benefit from tools like backing tracks or multi-tracks, whatever you want to call them. That's the funny thing about loop, you know, loops is what everybody called them in the early 2000s. That was the slang word for it. Like, hey, are you playing with loops? And then everyone knew what that meant. It meant, right. yeah, yeah, we're playing with tracks. We're playing with stems, multi-tracks, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, and so I, it's just such a great resource for small churches because your bass player doesn't show up. You can just use a bass track. So, so we did this podcast, um, the previous podcast where Ben Lund, who works with us and I, we talked about um, a list of reasons that you should use tracks and a, and a list of reasons you shouldn't use tracks or, or ways or, uh, yeah, reasons you should and reasons you shouldn't. So we kind of unpack that. And so, yep. um, I wonder what you think about that. Are there churches that should use tracks or like from your perspective, like who should use them, who shouldn't use them, you know? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually something that I've actually had to kind of challenge myself in, in the past couple of months as I've been leading at this church plant. Because this church plant, you know, we're setting up in this auditorium. We have no band. And I thought, you know, would it be awkward if I actually used (laughs) tracks with a band, like backing tracks with a band in it? Would it be awkward? And I've tried it with and without. And honestly, both ways totally work. (laughs) When we've used tracks, people love it. And honestly, no one has really even noticed. I've never had anybody say like, there's no keyboard player but I heard a piano. I think people just appreciate that it sounds good and that there's music. And I don't think it actually bothers them. Originally I thought, Oh, it might bother them that maybe it'll feel like karaoke or fake. But I think most people in the congregation don't even notice or really care (laughs) as far as like if there's a real person up there. Um, but I would say that 
a couple things. First of all, you should never use tracks to replace people if you have people. Oh, that's so good. if you have a keyboard yeah. player, don't use tracks for a keyboard. Like use the per like it's all about people. We want to get people involved in the church. Mm -hmm. And so what I really don't like seeing is when tracks are used as a substitute for real people. Right. Um, but they should be used if you really don't have people to serve and you need to fill out the sound. So yeah, I think that where I also would not use them is if I was in a very small church setting, like we were talking before this about a home church, you know, setting up, you know, if you're just in a living room with like 10 people, 15 people, tracks, I would not use tracks in that setting. But I'm leading worship at this church of, you know, probably 50 to 100 people that show up and it feels good even with using tracks. So I, I think that actually any church that size could totally use them and benefit from it. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, so there's a, you know, churches at some point have to decide, okay, we're going to try this or we're not going to try this, right? Are we going to use these loops or you know, tracks or are we not? So if a church decides, if there's a leader, okay, let's give this a go. What are some things that you would, you would suggest that they do to transition their, their, small team or medium team or whatever into using these things? Keep it simple. Okay. Don't go crazy. Don't go ninja status. You know, there's so many <laughs> things you can do with tracks. If you start yeah. Googling it, you start seeing like, oh, you can automate your lyrics. You can automate your lighting. You can have your chord charts automatically turning. Just keep it simple. Don't overwhelm yourself because you really want to be focused on leading worship, not on technology. The technology is there just to help support what you're doing. Yeah. But a lot of times people can get really sucked into it and just fo then you become focused on your computer. You also become maybe like a slave to the track where you only play the song exactly as the track is laid out. Right. So I would say if you're just getting started, I would, well, if it were me and I may be biased, I would download the Loop Community app, which is a free app on iPhone, iPad, Mac. And I would just get one song. Just start with one song. Don't feel like you have to use tracks for every song in your set list. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Use just one song. Maybe try it at the beginning song, you know, when you've got like that upbeat uh, opening song. The Phil Wickham song. Yeah, right. Use it for that song. <laughs> Phil's a monster at writing the opening songs. <laughs> he is. But use it for that song. And then for the rest of your set, just do, you know, acoustic or instrumentation. Um, and then work your way into adding more and more tracks mm -hmm. for more songs as you go. But don't feel like you have to dive in all at once. Yeah. And sometimes I think band members are a little hesitant to mm -hmm. go this route. What are some things that you would say to them to kind of get them okay with, with trying it? Yeah. So a lot of times band members are hesitant because they get thrown in. <laughs> it gets thrown on them all at once. Right. If you start with just one song, I think what ends up happening is people start realizing, you know what? We actually are sounding pretty good with this track. Right. And they start really appreciating it and wanting you to include it in more songs mm -hmm. in the set list. Also, the big pushback people get with using tracks is the click. Most churches don't play to a click. And it really is like learning to ride a bike. Once you've learned, <laughs> you never look back. Right. But it can seem a little awkward when you first start. Um, but it really is not that hard. It just takes practice. So people in your band might be like, oh, really pushing back on the click. And I just would not make it a big deal. Just be like, listen, we're going to be using this click track to keep everybody in time with each other so we know exactly where in the song we are. Because the tracks also have those cues that say verse, two, three, four, mm -hmm. which I love because it actually helps people feel really confident and they know exactly where they are in the song. They're not questioning like, where are we going next? They have somebody telling them. And I'm telling you, the more you do that, I really think people in your band are going to actually fall in love with it and want you to do, uh, do it more. Oh, that's interesting. So, but you have to just practice. You just have to try it. 
and it takes a few times. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we've even like, I would, I would think the drummer would be the one that might need the most practice from, from my experience anyway. Is that yeah. what you would say? Yeah. And that's key. The drummer needs to be able to stay on the click and they might fall off it. Don't make it a big deal. You know, don't like make a big scene about it. Just stop the click and keep going. Yeah. It's not the end of the world uh, if you guys fall off. Don't the track. stop the song. Hey, wait, we're gonna have to start Definitely over. Don't. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> don't make it a big deal. Just it's it's there to help you with what you're doing. Yeah, and it it might take a few weeks to get onto it, but once you do, you'll you won't look back. That's good perspective. So a minute ago, you said something I want to jump into because I think one of the biggest pushbacks, especially maybe from. Um, so um, we, we have had some worship leaders on the podcast who are more like free bird type worship leaders, you know, who like to just feel the spirit and move in direction, whatever. And uh, they kind of push back against tracks quite a, quite a lot because they feel like they're too locked into a pattern or a, you know, a map. And so uh, talk about that. Like, you, cause you said just a minute ago, you know, don't get stuck into playing it exactly the way it is. So talk yeah. about how you can be free in your leading and locked into a track. Tracks have changed so much over even the past decade. When I first started using tracks, which was in 2002, long time ago, you really did have to just press play on a track and just stick to it and hang on. (laughs) (laughs) And you couldn't change anything. If you wanted to do another chorus, good luck. You can't do it. What's so cool about track track technology in the past decade, specifically in the past five years, is there have been mobile apps developed and hardware developed that let you very easily customize the track to exactly how you want to play it. So if you want to do two choruses at the beginning of the song, you could easily just move two choruses to the beginning of the song and do it. Or you could press a button on a foot controller that repeats the current section you're in. So if you're in the bridge and you're just really feeling it, like, hey, let's do another bridge, just press a button on a foot controller and it will repeat that section. That's cool. Without really having to think about it too much. So what's awesome is that the spontaneity, it can be there if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. I think that you really have to, when you're playing with tracks, be open to being spontaneous because a lot of times people, I think, start to get lazy and just play with a track and the arrangement just the way it is because it just ends up being easy. But the problem is that we end up playing a set list. We, play, we end up playing like a Spotify playlist, just straight through and you're done. And you kind of stop thinking about leading in the moment. And so what's great is that the technology is there to allow you to do it. You yeah. can do it. It's not that hard, but you have to be open to that idea. It takes some practice. You have to have a little bit of hardware potentially to work on it. And then, uh, and then you Just go practice. from there. Yeah. yeah. And it's simple. Like we've got a controller called the Looptimus Mini. It's a three button controller. And you just put it down by your feet and you've got three buttons. You know, you could have one that's just play yeah. for the song. You right. could have one that's next for the next song. And then you could have one button that's just assigned for repeat. Yeah. So you could just repeat whatever section you're in. Most worship leaders, when they're spontaneous, are not usually jumping to somewhere totally different in the song. Usually, when worship leaders are spontaneous, it means they're, they just repeat. Yeah. So don't make it harder on yourself than <laughs> it needs to be. Yeah, that's good, man. I remember back in the uh, way back way back, Matt, I used to lead worship from the keyboard. Um, and I had a Insonic TS 10, it's a 1980s keyboard. And the reason I bought this keyboard was because you could build your own tracks, uh, into it, uh, which I built, you know, hundreds of them, but you, you would build the song in as many different pieces as you wanted to build it. 
I think you could build it into there were 10 push buttons on one screen. So you would build it in 10 pieces. So intro, That's first cool. one, chorus, second chorus, bridge, second bridge, third bridge, whatever. And so throughout the song, unless you hit the next button, it hmm. would just repeat. And so like, if you forget to hit the button, we're yeah. singing the chorus oh, again, you know, <laughs> or you could just like keep singing it until you're ready to move on to the next part. So, um, that was an extremely early version. That's pretty cool. Was it playing beats or was it piano sounds? It was playing whatever I built. Oh, that's so, awesome. Uh, we, I would build a, you know, some sort of like, yeah, I, you know, play the bass line first yeah. and then record the drums over it, you know, the keyboard drums. And then I would record the you know, other instruments over it until I finally got a full thing that was everything except for what I was playing on the keys. That's the first I've heard of that. That's really cool. Yeah. I finally just sold my uh, two Insonic TS-10s just recently, actually. So um, they're vintage, but nobody wants vintage. Yeah. They're really cool. Um, Awesome. So I wanted to talk uh, about another thing before we really just like hear about Loop Community and how we can get involved with that. But that is one thing that I think is a challenge with tracks also that you could address is... um. I've been in environments where I watch the tracks take over the sound. You know what I mean? And then I've been in environments where it's like, are they playing with the track? I can't tell. I can't quite hear it or whatever. And I just wonder, like, what's your perspective on where the track is supposed to sit in a mix and how to how to make sure that that, that happens? Yeah, this is such a funny one. Because I feel, I don't know, from my experience walking into churches, I feel like most of the time you can't hear the tracks at all. And it mm-hmm. almost just seems like the tracks are there just for the band they're all wearing in your monitors and they can hear the tracks and they can hear the click. But in the congregation, you can't hear the tracks at all. I Mm -hmm. really like to hear the tracks because I like to think of the computer or the iPad, whatever you're using to run tracks. I like to think about it as another instrument in your band, like schedule it on planning center for real so that your sound team knows that it's there. Um, Yeah. I try to see it as another instrument in your band. It's a computer. It's, it's a, the digital, (laughs) person in your church in your worship band and so yeah um i think it should be heard the reason it's not usually heard or it's too loud is because there's no communication between the worship leader and the sound team usually the worship leader shows up and plugs in a computer and just starts sending tracks and the sound team Mm -hmm. doesn't really know what the first of all what the vision is behind it the purpose is behind it and also they're not sound checked so just like you would sound check an acoustic guitar you should definitely sound check all the tracks so right. that the sound team knows exactly what they're going to be getting and then they know how to mix it well. So there has to be communication about it. Yeah. Okay. So then as far as where it sits in the mix, yeah. just like everything, uh, the sound person really has to to navigate yeah. that. But if you're a worship leader communicating that to a sound leader, how do you communicate where you want it to sit in the mix? Well, I guess it depends what tracks you're sending. If you're sending electric guitar tracks and keyboard tracks, it should sit in the mix where electric and keyboard tracks or a keyboard and electric guitar player would actually sit if they were really there playing live. You don't want it to be above and you don't want it to be inaudible completely. So it really is important to like explain what tracks you're sending. So one way that makes that actually a lot easier is that we have a hardware device at Loop Community called the Track Rig, which gives you eight... Mm -hmm separate outputs out of your computer. Oh, nice. Okay. What that allows you to do is it allows you to send the tracks or the different instruments out of their own outputs so that the sound team has control over each instrument. So you could send the bass out of its own channel, the drums, the guitars, the vocals, 
And then that gives your sound team full control over the tracks. So instead of just boosting all of the tracks up or all of them down together, they can turn the tambourine up a little bit if they need the tambourine, or they could turn the guitars down if they're too loud. So I would communicate to the sound team that this really needs to sit in the mix as if it's a real instrument, like a real person playing it. Love that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's good. Because I think a lot of times you think of, okay, so I'm pre-mixing something, I'm sending it to the board, they've got nothing, they can really do nothing with it, you know, except, yeah, you know, except All up. Fi- fit a space for it. So I love that you have the eight tracks. That's that's yeah. perfect. That's really good. So um, let's just talk s- uh, some specifics, man. Like, tell us how to, like, how how does Loop Community work for a worship leader and what, what components do they need? What do they download? What does it cost? All yeah. that. So... All you do is you go to the website, go to loopcommunity.com and you can create a free account. And then we have a catalog of tens of thousands of songs and you could search any song you want. So you're looking for what a beautiful name, search for that. And then you'll see different tracks that we have available for that song. So we've got, you know, the Hillsong version and we have the Bethel version and whoever else has done a version. Yeah. And then you can choose which one you want to purchase and you buy them a la carte. So just as you need them, you know, it's not like a monthly subscription or anything like that. It's just as you need okay. the track, you can purchase it and have it forever. Um, okay. And then we have a free app that works on Mac, iPad, and iPhone. It's called Loop Community Prime. You can actually go and download Prime. that right now for free. And any of the tracks you purchase from Loop Community will just automatically show up inside of that app. Okay. So you don't have to do anything special, anything extra. You just get the app, create an account, and then purchase the songs you need on the website. And then once you kind of build up your catalog, you can create set lists and uh, there's all sorts of other more advanced features if you want to go there. But I always tell people, if you're just getting started, keep it simple. Our whole thing is about making tracks in worship easy because there was a day when it was very complex (laughs) and it's gotten so much easier. And that's what we're really passionate about is making technology that's simple to use so that you can focus on leading worship. Yeah, that's really good, man. So are there some tutorials and things like that as well that you guys have for people that may be new uh, to this world? Totally. I would actually recommend everybody go to tracksinworship.com. I think... Okay, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Tracksinworship.com. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's still live. But if you go to tracksinworship.com, there is Mm -hmm. a free course that you can take. And I think it's very short. I think it's maybe... I actually don't know how long it is, but it's not going to take a long time. But it's just a video that walks you through, if you're a beginner, how to actually do this at your church. If you've never done it before, here's what you do. Here's the gear you need. You actually don't need much. Um, To get started, you really only need like a headphone cable that you can buy on Amazon for about $10 Mm -hmm. to get out of your iPad or iPhone. You do need some sort of device, like a computer, iPhone, iPad, which someone on your worship team probably has that. Yep. And then that's it. (laughs) <laughs> plug it in your sound system and get going. Now, hopefully you have in your monitors. Yeah, we'd have to have yeah. that. And if you don't, you actually still can use tracks without in-ears. And there's a video in that course that shows you how to do it. Really? Yep. Okay. So as long as you can get the the click to anybody in the team who's going to be keeping time. Then you could just follow that person. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I did that for five years and it was it worked totally fine. Well, that's the way I have preferred it because I don't like people talking in my head when I'm yeah. leading worship, but uh, I love following the drummer. So. Yeah, right. That's the <laughs> way to do, do it. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. That's fantastic. All right. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to put that in the show notes. I'm going to put your website, loopcommunity.com, the Prime cool. app that you need to get, and also this um, 
this website for learning uh, the tracks and worship uh, website. Um, anything else you want to drop on us, man? Uh, Matt, it's sure been a great to have you. Anything else you want to want to say? I would just say that, you know, community is in our name for a reason. Okay. Yeah. That when we started Loop Community, it was really the heart of a community of worship leaders helping each other out. Right. And I think what I really love the most about Loop Community is that it really is a collection of worship leaders who are all have all started exactly where someone may be listening to this is, where maybe they've never used tracks before. They feel overwhelmed by it. Maybe yeah. scared about it, intimidated. Right. I don't know. Everyone starts there. Any, you know, anytime you have to learn new technology, it's a, it can be a little intimidating. And mm-hmm. I think it's so cool that we've built this community of worship leaders that are always just ready and able to jump on and help you get started. So awesome. join our Facebook group, and you'll find you could ask any question you want, and a worship leader will be in there to help you. Um, and I just love that about Loop Community. We're more than just a web store. Yeah, we're really. Um, it's like a family. Yeah. And it's awesome. That's, uh, that's yeah. what I love about it. That's so good, man. Well, Matt McCoy, thanks for joining us. And thank you for following God's lead in your life and creating Loop Community to help you know thousands of churches. And um, we're grateful for the things you've had to say today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. So um, thank you guys for listening again uh, to the Worship Leader Essentials podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Also check us out on social, on Instagram for our, uh, and also Facebook for our uh, worship theology that we drop every week in one minute increments. And it'll be useful for you and your congregation. So God bless. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.